Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Amen. Well, this morning we're wrapping up our series um, we call Foundational and just looking at the stuff that we get to find in Christ that are core. It's foundational for our growth in our relationship with God. So if you've got your, your Bible app open, maybe you got found a bulletin on your seats, um, however you're going to track along, um, then we have led off with this idea that our foundation is found in Jesus. Everything we need in, to, to build our life in Christ on is found in Christ. Um, that may sound like that goes without saying, but the truth is, is so many times uh, we drift. We decide that maybe it's this or maybe it's that, but no, it is everything we need for life and godliness is found in Christ. And, and we've launched with this passage of scripture where Paul writes to the believers in Colossae. There in Colossians chapter two, verse two, it says, my purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding. I love it that Paul understands that right now we're operating in incomplete understanding. That's why we gather together. That's why we open up the scriptures. That's why we do personal Bible studies and those types of things because we recognize that right now we have incomplete understanding and that incomplete understanding is robbing us and keeping us from the full riches, the full riches of what has been provided for us and done for us in Christ. And so he's praying. His heart is that we may be united in in love so that we may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that we may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. Who God really is, is revealed in Christ. The mystery of God, the veil's been pulled back. You wanna know what God's like, what God looks like? Look at Jesus. That is, our, that is what God is like. It's revealed in Jesus, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So this cool thing is, is that when we receive Jesus, we receive the ultimate treasure, but in that treasure, there is treasure. And that's why we continue to grow in this. That's why this life in Christ isn't boring and hearing the same stories and the same thing over and over again, all of a sudden you begin to understand there is treasure hidden in Christ, and it is a beautiful thing. In verse 17 of that same chapter, it says, these are a shadow of the things that were to come. This is talking about the Old Testament Judaic system of worship. All of the Passover stuff, even the, even the laws and the commandments, all of it were shadows of what were to come. However, the reality, however, is found in Christ. Everything that the Old Testament was drawing a silhouette of, was creating a shadow of, it is the reality of it is found in Jesus. That is why we spend the bulk of our time looking at Jesus, the bulk of our time in the New Covenant Scriptures, because the reality is found. The types and shadows will help us. The types and shadows of the Old Testament will help echo back a proper understanding of who Jesus is, but the reality, it is found in in Christ. And so as we're looking at these core foundational pieces of our life in Christ, 
One of the core foundational things is this concept of gratitude, of thanks, of just being thankful for what God has accomplished. That's one of the things that's really amazing and really beautiful about somebody who is fresh into this because they were, their hearts will be full of gratitude for what God had done. The, the, the fullness of the forgiveness, the fullness of the fresh start, the fullness of that, and there'll just be this gratitude and that begins to be the fuel and the engine that moves them forward. Here's the problem. For those of us who've been in this for a little minute, then there's a place where we can let that place of gratitude for what God has accomplished and done in our lives kind of begin to slip away. First Chronicles 16.34 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. This is one of those types and shadows because, see, these people thought that God's love was fickle, that God loved them here and didn't love them there, but that his love would endure forever and endure because of the reconciliation brought in Christ. And we can give thanks to the Lord because he's good and his love endures forever. And for you and I, that ought to be the, our heartbeat on everything that we do. The goodness of God should find its way into all of the things that we do. One of my favorite stories on this um, happened a long time ago. Um, in, uh, in fact, in 2007, when uh, my son Weston uh, was eight years old. And so it, with the Clark family, we like to hunt. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sorry if you don't, if you don't like hunting. Um, you know, we like, to, we like to, to hunt. We don't shoot and release. We eat what we shoot. And so, um, so, so we, we're, <laughs> this is the early crowd. It took a little minute. Uh, more coffee, team, more coffee. And so, but no, we don't shoot and release. We, we eat it. And so, um, so we take our, uh, um, take our, you know, the, take our kids at, and for whatever reason, I chose the age. Now that I'm a grandpa, I'm like, my goodness, that is young. But as a young dad, I chose the age of eight years old. That when you're eight, you're going to get your first deer. And so we've taken the, the kids out. Um, next year will be Pressy's turn. Colin went and threw lead in all sorts of directions last year, shot nothing. <laughs> the Warmans gave us lots of choices. And so we just came back empty-handed. But we, we've, they go out when they're eight. And so this was Weston's turn to go out. But we had a unique experience in this, that he had some buddies, um, three buddies that he did basketball with, he did flag football with. They were just, they were just on sports teams together. We went to church together, and um, a guy who owns a, a wonderful ranch um, invited um, the, the four boys with their four dads to come out. All, all four boys had never got a deer before. So there's a big father-son hunt to go get these deer. Weston is the youngest one of the group. They're all just slightly older than Weston. And first hunt, you know, come into the ranch, get the evening hunt right as the sun's about to go down. The other three boys all get their deer. 
remember, we come, we come in, everybody else is dragging meat with them and all this, and there's me and Weston. We had nothing come in. And so we're like, okay, well, boy, we're going to go out the next day. We're going we're gonna to get something. And so he was just really concerned that he was going to be the only one that, that got skunked on this hunt. And so we're sitting in the deer blind, and we're, we're waiting, and sure enough, this doe comes in, and and just, it's just waits. I mean, it's just like God sent this animal and it just comes and it's like, <laughs> right here. And just, it's just waiting and just waiting. And man, and Weston gets everything ready and he d- handles his, you know, his, his excitement, does a nice, good, slow trigger pull. The animal drops, very humane shot, just goes down immediately. And so, and I'm just excited. And I look over at Weston. He's still sitting there with the gun in his hands out the, out the window. And I look over and I see him crying. And he's an incredibly tender-hearted kid. And I'm thinking he like feels bad for this deer. And, and I've, like, I've like scarred my son. Like I have <laughs> forced him to kill an animal. And he's I can't believe this. And so I'm sitting there and I'm just totally concerned. I've just ruined my child. And so he's sitting there and I kid you not. You tell this kid was a preacher's kid because I kid you not. He's sitting there holding his gun, tears rolling down his face. And he goes, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And these are his exact words. You are worthy to be praised. Thank you, Jesus. I'm like, what are you, a 42-year-old minister here? You are worthy to be praised. What eight-year-old kid says that in the deer blind? But he was with tears in his face. And then he tells me, Dad, I had been praying all morning that God would keep me calm, that God would bring in a deer, that I would be able to, to get this. And he did not immediately go when that deer go drop, go, Dad, I told you I could do it. I'm the man. What an amazing shot. No, he knew where the credit belonged. He knew where the credit belonged. He'd been praying. He understood it. And his immediate response was not, I'm the man. I'm the one shot. I'm going to show all those boys. I'm going to do it. No, thank you, Jesus. You are worthy to be praised. You're worthy. And here's the thing, God has called us to to go out and to do new things and have new adventures and wired us to take new fresh steps in our lives, steps that we feel are too big for us, steps that we feel like maybe should be postponed, maybe we ought to be equipped a little more, but when God calls you into it, first thing you do is you go to him in prayer and say, God, you equip me. And then when he lets you step into it, you give him the praise. You give him the praise. And we live in a place of gratitude. We live in a place of that. See, thankfulness is vital in keeping our hearts open to God. It's like, it's literally like a valve. And the more we crank open the place of gratitude towards God, the more there's going to be a flow in our relationship with God. It's so easy to get frustrated about the things that have not happened yet. 
the things that have not fallen correctly into line just the way we want them yet. It's easy to fixate on those things. It's easy to be frustrated by those things and allow that frustration to be our guiding energy as we move forward. But that's not supposed to be it. The Holy Spirit is supposed to be guiding us. The Holy Spirit, not our frustration, not not the pressures of life. The Holy Spirit is supposed to be guiding us and leading us forward. And the Holy Spirit will be constantly reminding us of what God has done, what God has accomplished, and what is at, God is at work in in our lives. And understanding and keeping a, gr- a place of gratitude alive in our hearts it keeps that valve open. Psalms 100 verse, verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. You want to get closer to God? You want to enter his courts? Man, turn on that place of thanksgiving. Turn on that place of praise. That is, that is part of why we have worship in the order in which we do. That we come in and the first thing we do is worship together. Why? Because it helps us to begin to, to let the frustrations of the week and, and all of the stuff of the day to begin to fall off of us. It helps us to begin to focus on him and his goodness and what he's done. It helps us to be able to be prepared with our hearts to be open, to receive the seed of his word, to be able to embrace what he wants to speak and say to us. We enter his, his courts with with praise. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now I want to clarify. It says give thanks in all circumstances, not for all circumstances. It's not saying all your circumstances are God's will. It is a continual attitude of gratitude is God's will. It's that you're not going to be knocked around by the, by the ups and downs of life. That all of a sudden when things are good and, there's, and, and it's a good circumstance, well, then you're all grateful. And then all of a sudden when things are frustrating and difficult, well, then you're not grateful. No, God's will is for us to not be batted around by the ups and downs of life, but to be able to walk in a place of regular gratitude throughout all of the issues we deal with. Romans 1.21 says, for although they knew God, they knew God. They neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Without operating in a place of gratitude towards God, we end up with our thought processes being futile. They don't get us anywhere. They're pointless. They're not gonna be able to produce the right outcome. But when we walk in a place of genuine, real gratitude with God, that's when we begin to allow all of the riches of his wisdom and knowledge to begin to to flow in our lives. We begin to have a fresh perspective on the situations that maybe are frustrating, that maybe are, are pulling at our emotions, but we need to walk in a place of gratitude or else our, our thinking will become futile. So how do we express our thanks to God. How do we express that? We can do it in a lot of different ways. Um, and so, and of course, we talked about worship, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But there's a lot of different ways, but a lot of things is just l- gratitude can be a way of life. 
that you would just operate and make decisions out of gratitude. Gratitude that there's air in your lungs. Gratitude that you're awake and able to do something. Gratitude for the people in your life and just begin to respond and do things out of a place of gratitude. We had a, a, a big memorable uh, moment in uh, our, mine and my boys' lives along with my dad um, a number of years ago. Um, in 2009, um, me and my oldest boys and my dad um, did this thing at Camp Eagle called an adventure race, okay? And so what was pivotal about this adventure race is five years before this moment, um, my dad had um, got endocarditis. And anybody in the medical field who knows about endocarditis knows that's typically a death sentence. It's, it's a 5% survival rate uh, of someone who gets endocarditis. And it is a long process of recovery. Um, my, my, it was a, a tough thing. And my, my dad calls me in, talks about the will, talks about, you know, heavy things. Um, Carson was just not even a year old yet. And I'm just like, man, this, this is rough. And so we go to prayer and there's a long recovery process and um, it just weakened my dad a lot and um, had to see a cardiologist all the time. Well, five years after this, um, we find out about this adventure race and my dad was walking on a regular basis and, and doing a lot better. And he's like, you know what? Um, let's do that adventure race. Uh, okay, well, this is race. Um, this isn't like start over here and run across the room. Um, this is an eight-hour race, okay? Um, you cover 15 miles uh, on a bike, um, six miles of trekking up in the, up in the hills, and two miles of kayaking. Um, this is not um, a sm small, simple race. And so along with rappelling and orienteering and marksmanship and a lot of different elements and stops, and, and my dad says, I want to do this. And so we're like, well, you know, okay, that, that sounds great. So he talks to his doctor, talks to his cardiologist and says, hey, I want to do this race, you know, just as a celebration that I'm here and I'm still alive and I can do this. And his doctor said, are you crazy? And after he laid out what was involved, um, but the doctor didn't say no. He just said, are you crazy? So we signed up. And so, uh, so we signed up and we did it. And, uh, and so we go out there, no plans to win. We, we didn't win. We came in dead last. Um, you had eight hours to complete it. We crossed the finish line in seven hours and 42 minutes. I mean, we just barely made the cutoff. Um, when they tallied all the points, we were in dead last, but we were the happiest group out there because the whole point was the fact that according to the medical diagnosis, my dad was not even, shouldn't even be alive, much less be able to ride a bike, a mountain bike for, on those trails, much less be able to hike, much less be able to kayak and be able to do those things. And that was in place, the whole expression the whole thing was a thing of gratitude, just that we can, just that it was possible to have one more weekend, to have one more memory, to have one more place of accomplishment. Man, the, gratitude can be expressed in so many different ways. But as we look into this, one of the first ways that we've already talked about is that we can express thanks through songs and music. And again, we call this praise and worship. And in Psalm 717, 
says, I will give thanks to the Lord because of his righteousness and will sing praises to the name of the Lord Most High. Psalm 28, 7 says, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and I am helped. My heart leaps for joy and I will give thanks to him in song. This be a place of expression. Now, to, now this morning, as our worship team is up here, we have multiple people. Some of our worship team members, they're all jumping around, and they're just like doing this number, and, and others of our worship team are doing this. And some of you are sitting and being reflective. There's not a cookie-cutter way to do this. There's not. It's not that you're somebody who is less expressive with song is worshiping less than someone who is more animated and someone who has more joy. But I tell you what, if somebody's joy all of a sudden wants to bust out and they all of a sudden do a little jig and do a little dance, well, guess what? Gratitude ought to be able to be expressed in jumping around and doing a little jig because God is good. We should be able to do that we should be able it's not a prerequisite it's not a requirement one's not better than the other but it should be able to express and have our hearts leap for joy and give thanks to him in song this was modeled singing and worship especially when things are difficult is modeled by jesus himself let's look at matthew 26 verse 30 it says and after a song of praise to god they went out to the mountain of olives they sang a song. Jesus and his disciples sang a song of praise. And then they go to the Mount of Olives. This begins the cartwheel of the stuff where Jesus prays in agony and, and he sheds his blood through his sweat. He begins to say, not my will, but yours be done. The disciples would soon turn on him. He would soon be betrayed with a kiss. He would soon be arrested and flogged and beaten. He would soon face a mockery of a trial and be nailed to a cross. And before he knowingly was going to go into that, he first sang a song of praise. If you know you're going to have a rough day, sometimes you know, I know what's on my agenda. I know what lies ahead. I know the meetings I have, the deadlines I face, the, one of the first things you need to do is park all of that and turn on your favorite worship stuff and worship. Begin to reset your mind. Begin to reset your heart. That, man, God's got an assignment on your life. God's going to empower you to get through it. God is going to carry you through it. You don't need to walk into that mess, that hard day, frustrated and trying to figure out where your own strength is. That's not the way Jesus did it. Jesus sang a song of praise before he stepped into his hardest moments. If Jesus did that, I think you and I probably ought to model that. I think you and I ought to probably walk that out too. We can also say thanks through simply saying it in prayer. John eleven forty one 41 says, so they took away the stone. This is there with Lazarus who had been dead for four days. And then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. Jesus is about to raise his friend Lazarus from the dead, and the first words out of his mouth in prayer is, Father, I thank you. I thank you. His friend is dead. It says Jesus wept. That's all it says. We don't know exactly why he's weeping. A lot of people have a lot of different reasons why he wept. All we know is he wept. 
So Jesus wept. His friend's dead. He's about to raise him from the dead. He knows that. But the first things out of his mouth is thank you. Father, I thank you. Thank you that you've heard me. I thank you that you're near. I thank you that you're, this relationship is real. Sometimes that's the way you need to open up in prayer is just saying, Father, I thank you. I thank you that this relationship I have with you is legit. That it's not about what I've done. It's about what you have accomplished. We even see this modeled in the story of Daniel in the lion's den as, as jealous satraps and other officials there in Babylon had decided that they wanted to set, set Daniel up for failure because Daniel was a man of integrity and wasn't going to fail on his own. So they get a law passed that says no one can pray to anybody but, but the king. Knowing that Daniel would pray to the one true God, his one true God anyways. And so we pick the story up in verse 10, of Daniel chapter six, and it says, and when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he knew that this was a place to set a trap for him, to be, to be killed. And he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. He didn't hide, he didn't hide his faith, he didn't hide what he did, and he goes in there where three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. The same things that was on his lips when he was being promoted, the same things that were on his lips when he was having favor with the king, the same things that was on his lips when everything was happening that made these other people jealous and set this trap up for him, when everything was turning up Daniel, the same thanks that was on his lips was on his lips when things started turning sideways, when things started looking like that things were not gonna go well, that all of a sudden we see the exact same thanks on Daniel's lips. And if you grew up in church, you know the end of the story that yeah, they spring the trap and he gets thrown in the lion's den and the lions just chill with him. He's not consumed, he's not eaten and he comes out the next day untouched and unharmed. His God, who he was thankful for, kept him in the middle of that moment. See, we can also say thanks through our giving, through our generosity. I'm about to look at something in the Old Testament, and you may not have heard of this, but there's a place we, you know, most people who've been around church for a while are familiar with the concept of tithes and offerings. And, and uh, in the Judaic system, the tithe was a mandated gift. It was a, it was a mandated thing you brought to the temple, 10%. It was mandated. But there was an offering called a thank offering um, in the Old Testament. And the only way you could bring a thank offering um, is that you first had to have had been a part of that year's atonement process, which is the Passover ritual, the Passover lamb and all of that, which means that you're, you're, you're understood you were fully forgiven. All of your other stuff was done. And the only way you could give a thank offering is if atonement had been done. You were right with God. It wasn't something you were doing to try to be right with God. It wasn't something you were trying to, to check some box. You knew I'm in 100% right standing with God. I'm not trying to get his attention. I'm not trying to do it. I'm just grateful and then give a thank offering, okay? And so there were these thank offerings in the scriptures wasn't mandated, just whatever was on their heart to be able to give. 
Well, folks, this, this was a type of shadow speaking to you and I because you and I, every gift we give, every spot of generosity, we do it from being made right with God. We are already, because of what Jesus has done, 100% right with God. Every gift we give is by a fully atoned people. Every gift we give is a thank offering. Everything we do is a thank offering. In Psalms 116, verse 17 says, I will sacrifice a thank offering to you and call on the name of the Lord. Psalm 50, verse 23 says, he who sacrificed thank offerings honors me and prepares the way so that I may show him the salvation of God. I may show him the salvation of God. Back when Cutie and I used to write checks, everything's digital these days, um, but when we used to write checks, um, every time on the memo line, as, we're, as we were giving to, giving to, to um, church work and to missions work and to anything that has to do with the kingdom, what was always written on the memo line was, thank you, Lord. That was what we always wrote. Not that that's the re- what you have to do, but that was what was always on our heart. In all t- 28 years of marriage, we've always written simply, thank you, Lord. Because we recognize that we're able to be generous because God was first generous to us. We're able to give because God's a giver to us. We're able to be a part of helping the kingdom move forward because the kingdom moved forward to us. Somebody had to be generous for us to be able to hear the good news. Somebody had to, to, to provide a space. Somebody had to be able to keep it moved forward, and we were able to receive that, and we wanted to be a part of moving it forward. We didn't want to be a dead end for the gospel. We wanted to be able to be able to move it forward and push it forward, and so we've always just simply wrote, wrote thank you, Lord, on this place, and generosity can be an expression of gratitude. See, when we give thanks to God, we're doing something that mirrors heaven itself. Revelations chapter 7, we get this glimpse into the throne room. It says, all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, amen, praise and glory, wisdom and thanks." and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever, amen. Forever and ever. Thanks is being offered in the presence of God right now. And when we operate in a place of gratitude, we are doing something that mirrors heaven itself. And when we pray, Lord, on earth as it is in heaven, we need to make sure we're agents of that. And when we operate in a place of gratitude, we are mirroring heaven. It is on earth as it is in heaven. When we stop our gratitude, all of a sudden we have quit mirroring heaven in that space. And so we need to continually operate in that. And the last thing we need to understand is that a lack of gratitude is honestly a barrier to truly walk in a place of loving God. Second Timothy chapter three, Paul writes to Timothy, he says, but mark this, there'll be terrible times in the last days. People be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal and not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers 
of God in the middle of all of those things that we would check off. Yep, that's not good. Yep, that's not good. Yep, that's not good. Is right in the center of that is just ungrateful. Just ungrateful. That it begins to clog up the works. We need to make sure that we are regularly people who say, thank you, Lord. See, folks, in this season of Thanksgiving, you can't give what you don't have. It's supposed to be thanksgiving. But if you don't have thanks, you can't give thanks. So our bottom line today is we must have thanks to give thanks. So let's set our minds in a space to be able to embrace what God has done and is at work doing and is promised and faithful to complete and operate in a place of gratitude. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.